Welcome to the official podcast of the Entrepreneur Summit. These are events that teach you strategies from the experts, lessons learned from the trenches, and connections to take your business to the next level. All right. Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Entrepreneur Summit podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith. And yes, this is the official podcast of the summit. And our inaugural event is going to be March 24th in Dallas, Texas. And I hope to see you there. You can get the entire lineup, uh, the entire schedule. It's a one day event focused solely on business growth. And of course, you can purchase your tickets over at EntrepreneurSummitDallas.com. I also would like to thank a few of our sponsors. Southwest Airlines. Yes, the Southwest Airlines. They've been, I'm so excited to have them partner with us on this event. And you can find out more about them over at southwest.com and the Frisco EDC. Now the event is technically in Frisco, Texas, a suburb just outside of Dallas. And Frisco is one of the fastest growing cities in the nation. And there's really truly no better place to start a business or build a business than Frisco. And you can find out more about them over at Frisco edc.com. Now today's episode is with Charles Horton and I've had the honor of getting to know Charles and he is just one of the smartest people, one of the most successful people I know. And I met him originally when a friend of mine introduced me to something that Charles puts together called the boardroom. And it's much like Shark Tank. He brings in some of his investor friends, a business comes, pitches their idea to them, and then they have the opportunity to buy in. And then my second introduction to Charles was through firewalking. He also has an institute that teaches people not only how to firewalk, but how to instruct firewalking. And it was a really empowering event and something I believe in immensely. And he's had a history, I mean, a, an incredible history. He started a business at 16 when he saw a need for check cashing at a flea market. And he made really huge goals for himself to be a millionaire by 30 and a billionaire by 50. And he's hit the first goal, no problem. And he's about a year away from goal number two. So he has a lot to say about business, a lot to say about success, uh, gives some great ideas of habits you need to get to get to the, his level and just what has brought him to the place that he is today. So here's my interview with Charles Horton. All right. Well, Charles Horton is here. Charles, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you. You have such a history of entrepreneurship. You've done so many things either through your own or through mentoring. And I want to start at the beginning because you you started at 16, not just a, a newspaper route or, you know, some of the uh, sporting cards or anything like that that you hear about, but you actually started a check cashing business at a flea market. And I want to know at 16, can you tell us a little bit about the opportunity you saw and how at 16 you decided to go for check cashing and how you knew exactly what to do? Because I just think it's absolutely incredible. Well, Aaron, the, to, to really it started before the check cashing. I had over 150 employees at 13 years old mowing lawns and, uh, and laying sod and cleaning pools. So it's always in my blood. But the uh, check cashing business, basically one day in Austin, Texas, I showed up at a, a local flea market. They had about 400 uh, vendors and none of them would take a check. You know, back then, most people wrote a lot of there were a lot of checks being written and no one in the flea market would take a check. So see 
seeing a need, I went to the uh, the flea market owner and asked him to uh, give me free rent and build me a booth. They did that. They had a little plywood booth for me with a with a cemented safe on the on the asphalt. It was kind of funny thinking back about it, and that uh, that propelled me into business. They helped me out with uh, with a lot of the cash needed, and uh, it was a win win situation. Wow. So let's talk about growth on that because at six, I mean, okay, so you've got some landscaping uh, history. You you obviously think big, but were you thinking huge, you know, at 16 seeing this or when was the shift for you when you saw the potential that you basically had your hands on? So for me, I guess I wasn't really thinking size at that at, at that end. I, I had an abusive childhood. I had a stepfather that uh, that would put myself and my mother in the in the hospital regularly. And for me, it was just independence. It was getting out. It was having my own money. It was having a reason to be out of the house. My my uh, stepfather had no problem with me being out of the house for business purposes. Uh, for other reasons, he was a little bit more uh, more controlling. So that's really what propelled my uh, my business interests. Wow, that's amazing. So when did it? turn. And when you started building the first, uh, it was secure check, right? Uh, smart check was the final name of the business. It had several other names along, but kind of the progression there, Aaron was the, uh, at the flea market, I was cashing several hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, checks a weekend, and I just started getting smarter. I said, after a while, why have the have the uh, customers come to the booth? Let's go ahead and have the merchants take the checks. I'll still guarantee the checks so the merchants have no loss. And at the end of the day or end of the weekend, I would run around and just buy the checks from the merchants, deposit them in my own account. And then that I learned that if the checks bounced, I made more money. So that started my first check verification guarantee company. And uh, we went out getting uh, getting getting clients and uh, I turned into the eighth largest check verification guarantee company in the country before I sold out right before my 30th birthday. That's Absolutely amazing. So you're young, you are learning, you know, an industry. And I know we're going to talk about your book in a little bit. And your book is about overcoming obstacles. So can you talk about a few of your growing pains, a few obstacles you had to overcome to get to that point of, you know, selling before you're 30? Yeah, so there's lots of lots of obstacles. I barely got out of high school. Uh, had a few college courses, not very many. But uh, a lot of my obstacles were related to the growth size. We got big quick, and we needed an in- infrastructure of computers and technology. All 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 the while. Computers and technology was growing very rapidly, so something that worked today and I made a big investment in, I'd have to make another big investment three or four, late, four, three or four years later to keep up with how the PCs could uh, handle and, and handle the processing. Several nightmares where my, my, uh, my software was always internal and in-house. And one time I was at the point of we were just dead. I couldn't go on with the software that I had. So I reached out to a outside programming company to program another version. I gave them $150,000, which is what they bidded to do it. And they came back at the end of the contract period and said, hey, sorry, uh, we're not done. Can't get done. Uh, need another $150,000. And boy, that was I just had to. I had to wash wash that first hundred fifty thousand dollars. The trust was gone, and that was a difficult time. Wow! So you know, 
how do you overcome those? And how do you like say, okay, this is a lesson learned. I just, you know, basically flushed $150,000 down the drain. How do you, when next time you're about to hire, how do you take that lesson learned or build, you know, contract with somebody or something like that? What do you do the next time so you can build that trust again? How do you overcome that? One thing great about being a bootstrapped entrepreneur is you have to make things work. When you have extra money, it's easier to blow it and lose it. I didn't have any more money to lose. Basically, I went out and I learned how to program in a in a language called Paradox. Uh, I got one of my internal people uh, educated on Paradox, and we wrote the system ourselves. I know uh, I, I remember back, I wrote the script for closing out the end of the month. So that was my big thing at the end of the month. I would sit down. I would run these scripts that would go through. When we were doing millions of transactions a month, check, ver- check verification transactions and hundreds of thousands of uh of uh, checks that would come in. So I would run the statements and run the processes, figure out the bills. And that would, I would go in there at midnight each, uh, each uh, last day of the month and, and process all the transactions so we could be up the next day. But being, being bootstrapped, I still think that's the, that's really the way to go in business. I'm starting a new business now and I'm spending a lot of money doing it. And sometimes I really think that uh, if I didn't have the money, I wouldn't be blowing it for no reason. That's a great observation. So when you partner, you know, I know a lot of times people get burned. I've heard so many stories of developers, website building, PR, all of these stories of people just, you know, like, like you said, throwing money down the drain. How do you approach a partnership now? Because obviously you still need to build partnership just from the lessons learned, you, the lessons you've learned from your past. So for me, it's all about loyalty and do and doing business with those that I know and trust. So uh, moving forward to my uh, current company, Fastbucks, I've always had my own software as well. I, I just believe in developing my own software. It does exactly what I want it to do. So I did business with a company that uh, made my software for Fastbucks. The company went out of business. At least I had my product at this point. I just now had no one to service it. And when you have your own have your own software. It needs constant uh, service. There's just constant changes. So the lead programmer that was working for that company went out on his own. He kept my account. Uh, he kept me. Uh, he kept me in business. At one point, he even said, "Hey, Charles, you really don't need me at all anymore. You just need to deal with the programmer that uh, is doing the programming." So Chris stepped out of the uh, the equation. And then when when the programmer wanted to leave, eventually Chris came back in, took it back over. So he's the one I'm using with Secure Vital. You know, do be loyal to those who uh, who are good to you. That's a great, great lesson. So you sell smart checks. So how do you get back into Fastbucks? What was that story of why you you got back into the game a little bit differently? But so so uh, Aaron, I I made a goal from reading Think and Grow Rich when I was like eighteen, nineteen years old that I was going to be a millionaire by the time I was uh, thirty and a billionaire by the time I'm uh, I'm fifty. I, I I worked through the whole process of Think and Grow Rich. I got those goals embedded into my uh, mind. What happened is that at the age of about 29 and a half, business is rolling along really good. I got about 150 employees, about $20 million in revenue. However, 
the business was so competitive and I would take clients at any cost. Matter of fact, plenty I took at a loss just to keep them from my competitors. And so uh, the most I ever made was really about $60,000 and I wasn't feeling much like a millionaire. So I changed my goal that I wanted to be a liquid millionaire by the time I was 30 and I had about six months to accomplish it. I had been working with Teletrack uh, over – or Telecheck, I'm sorry – over and over uh, for multiple years, never got to the point of selling. This time they got tired of me being kind of the gnat that was taking accounts here and there, and they wrote me a pretty good check for the assets of my, uh, of my company. And how that translated, I then found myself being able to retire for life at 30, and I got more depressed than I'd ever been in my life. And I learned one of the great lessons of life, and that is we all need a purpose. And I sold my purpose. My life was that first company. I really didn't have many friends, which is a whole nother story. You know, you need to be balanced. But uh, I so one of the things that I did in uh, in in uh, my previous company, Smart Check, is I guaranteed checks for the current industry that I'm in. And I learned a lot about it. And, and once I went to a seminar and realized the reason I was depressed, that I didn't have my purpose, I started another company and have been developing them ever since. Awesome. And I I really think it's important because I we talked about this in the pre, pre-recording. And your company culture is very unique because I've been to a few of your seminars and we can talk about firewalking in a moment. But you really treat your employees like they're part of what they're working with. It's not just you work for me. That's They're part of it, and you really work with their development. And I think you have a very loyal group of employees. Can you talk a little bit about you know, how you treat them? I know you talked about loyalty a little bit before, but what's the culture you're creating and how they're just so much more part of the company than just working for you? I think, Aaron, uh, when you're young, you have a lot of ego and you feel like you need to control everything. At my first company, uh, even though I had about the same number of employees I had now, about 150 employees, I had all of the positions and the titles and no one had any authority. No one had any responsibility. They were all employees. They were there to click the click the clock and take a paycheck, but I didn't give them any ownership. I didn't give them any, any authority whatsoever. And so I, I just became a completely different leader when I, when I got to this company. Many of my mentors taught me that it's a whole lot better to lead a team of owners than it is to be out there struggling by yourself trying to lead a company and being the only boss. So now I have uh, roughly 50 uh, retail loan stores, and each of the store managers have the opportunities to become owners of between 10 and 20% of their store. Even if they're not an owner, they're paid based on their performance in the store. So they take ownership. I mean, they take ownership so, so much that this, I'm not exaggerating at all. I went into one of my stores one time to do some auditing and I went to uh, go to the bathroom and the manager asked me with a straight face if I brought my own toilet paper because she's not going to spend her budget money for unnecessary, <laughs> for unnecessary toilet toilet paper use. That, that's a funny example, but literally my, uh, my managers, my partners, we call them star program members, watch the financials inside and out. If their utility bill doubles in a month, they're all over it. That's their money. They want to make sure that they get their, they want to get their share of their money. They don't want to waste money. So 
now we're a team of owners, and I know that that uh, instead of being the only one looking out to how to make make profit, I have a whole team of people that are looking to make their own profit, and when they do that, then I'm rewarded as well. So it's it's a completely different environment, and my life's completely di- completely different now too. That's amazing. And talk a little bit about the you know personal development that you do with them. Like you know you're they're at your you you run. A firewalking institute and I see them at goal setting and, and doing the firewalking, doing all these different things. I know you they're there a lot and you're really working on personal development. Can you talk a little bit about how you factor that into, you know, them coming on board and then how often you're doing personal development stuff with them too? I've been a, a personal development uh, champion for a very, very, very long time. Uh, you need to feel good about yourself and your own abilities before you can really be a good partner or employee, however you want to look at it. So uh, I bring my people in generally around once to twice a year, and they'll go through a four-day what we call boot camp. Uh, half of the material is all about personal development, making your own goals in life, getting what you want in life being who you want to be in life and developing yourself, giving yourself uh, confidence and courage. And then the other half is is the business details, how to do your, uh, in my business, is collections and making loans. So how to make loans properly, legally, and compliant. Make sure you, you collect them and get them back. Customer service is key. So we do a lot of training on developing relationships and customer service. The employees that come absolutely love coming to the events uh, they 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 uh, they long to come back. It's just an atmosphere that they want to be in. It's fun. It's exciting. They get to be around their team members, and it really makes a difference. And that carries into their stores too. We we have a company chant. They do that on a daily basis. We have phone calls where they they share their progresses, and and uh, so so it's really a it's it's really an ownership partnership have fun mentality. I tell my employees, and this seems counterproductive to most entrepreneurs, but I tell my employees during the seminar, life's about being happy. Do what makes you happy. You're working uh, a, a huge amount of your waking time. You need to be doing what you what you enjoy and what you're happy with. If you don't like what you're doing, even, even if you're one of my best employees, my advice to you is you got to go find out what's going to make you happy. I love it. It's just, it's, It's so key. It's very simple, yet it's so huge, you know, for your company and just making them believe in themselves. And a lot of people miss that. And I want to talk about innovation because you've been an entrepreneur for a long time now. You've had a lot of success, yet you always are pushing yourself to innovate. Now, I know Secure Vitals on the horizon. I think you guys are in beta and this is a really outside your comfort zone type of venture, right? This is a little a lot different than what you've done before. Well, it's still technology, and uh-huh. I've been a, a programmer of my own software in every business. Uh, it, it's certainly different, and I'm thinking at a much larger scale than I've ever thought at before. But uh, for the most part, it's really not outside my comfort zone. I, I just love the challenge and love the opportunities. Okay, so innovation. What do you do to push yourself to constantly be innovating? I mean, you you don't sit around. I mean, you, you could, like you said, retire. You could have retired at 30. You definitely could retire now. What do you do on a daily or weekly basis uh, you know, to push yourself from an outside-the-box thinking and continually innovate as an entrepreneur? 
personally, what's happened to me is, is I just like to keep meeting people. And the more people that I meet, I listen to them and their thoughts and their ideas. Secure Vital a year ago was uh, a very different product than it was now because I'm looking for key people that are going to be on the team. I go out and I have meetings and I'm, I meet smart people. When people ask me the reason that I've been successful, the number one thing I say is that I realized at a young age, I don't know it all. And I look for people for mentors, for people smarter than me to come in and help with my team to get better. So listening to what they've said, we've dramatically changed the the, the, the how Secure Vital is going to look in the end just by being listening to people that are smart with smart ideas. The world cha- the world's changing quick, and you got to be ready to to be there to make a change. And that that's the same thing with my with my uh, loan company. The industry's changed dramatically over the years, and it's going to continue to change. And if you're not there to to lead the change, you'll run out of business eventually. I believe. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm glad you brought up mentorship because you you know just seeing the people you mentor, you have one of the biggest hearts. I've seen in, in, you know, especially of someone with your success level. And I know there's people you've, you've really helped that you saw something in them before they were able to see it. And I love hearing the stories. Can you talk about your mentorship and can you give advice from someone who may be starting and looking for, you know, a, not a coach, but a mentor, somebody who's been there before and how they approach that? Certainly, if you want to get if you want to get good at something, you have to find somebody that is doing what you want, hang around them all the time, do what they do what they do. So from an early age, I had I had things that I needed that I couldn't afford. So as I'm starting my check verification guarantee company, I needed an accountant. I couldn't afford an accountant. So I found somebody that owned their own accounting business that would that would basically donate some of their time for a small piece of the company. They did that, and they ended up winning big time. I did the same thing with uh, with legal. I got myself involved in groups where uh, the one I did was the CEO was the CEO clubs. I have uh, relationships that have been developed for over fifteen years with with deep trust and respect for everybody involved. And so we we get together on a regular basis and we talk about our own company problems and just giving help to other companies helps me think about what I can be doing differently in, in, uh, in my company. So I've, I always look for mentors for me that will, uh, that will help me grow. So the majority of the mentors that I've, uh, that, that have helped me along and have shown me the way financially speaking, I've surpassed them. So at, at, at one point I figured I need to get somebody now where I'm wanting to go now. So I sought out a billionaire to, to be my mentor. And I found a guy uh, locally, he owns about 250 Sonic stores and he's very close to the uh, the billionaire mark and, and he's a wealth of information. At the same time, I believe in giving back. So when small business owners come uh, come to me, I'm happy to help. I'm happy to think and talk about their businesses and it, it, it gets me energy, it gets me going and I love to see people do well. One of my employees, uh, uh, son's best friends who had kind of grown up around me when he was 18 came to me and said, I, I want you to mentor me. He uh, worked for me for a couple of years. He set a goal of being a millionaire by the time he was 25. He wanted to beat my 30 year goal, which was fantastic. 
And uh, he now is 25 years old. He has multiple uh, technology businesses, definitely with a uh, worth over a million dollars. He's made a lot of money. Uh, even at the age of about 21, I, I would guess that he probably had more money than all of his uh, friends and their parents combined. That is amazing. I love the competition too. I could tell. I can tell you're competitive just in the the stories of having to even take a loss to beat out your competitors. And now this, I love it. Um, I want to talk about, you know, you've got this book coming out, Ignite the Secret. And, you know, it's really some keys to your success and how to overcome obstacles. And obviously, you've done all that. Uh, I'd love to go into just a little bit. What do you think looking back, you know, as you've overcome obstacles, as you've done this, what have been one or two major keys and maybe your personality trait and maybe things you, you know, habits you've developed that has gotten you to this close to billionaire status and this much success? So the, the, uh, the book is really all about my, uh, my journey. And I figure anything you do in life is going to have lessons for you. So one of the big things for me, frankly, is firewalking. Uh, I started doing my own personal development with my companies and leading meetings. Uh, somebody introduced me to Tony Robbins. I went to the Tony Robbins seminars. I loved everything that he did. His energy is fantastic. He's a fantastic speaker. You leave pumped up. But for me, I could never do the firewalk at his seminars. And I went back more than half a dozen times in order to do the firewalk. So just for me, building the firewalk up with fear so much, getting across the fire and then releasing that fear, it's something that stays with me forever now because I know that anytime I come up to something in business or my personal life that gives me fear, I just remember the firewalk. I remember all the energy I put into my fear of the fire and how easy it was when I finally did it and how silly my fears were. So now I just step into situations that might make me uncomfortable or make me a little fearful. I step into them. I do them. I get them over with. And in most cases, I, uh, you know, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. No, I love it. I've learned to embrace the same thing. And I always tell people, it's like when you want to do something and that just your stomach's churning at the thought of it and you're so scared that's when you have to do it. Because you're right, every time you look back, and maybe it doesn't turn out exactly like you thought, but every time every time you look in the rearview mirror, you're like, why was I so afraid of that? Exactly. I can't think of anything in, in my past uh, that, that, uh, that I had a fear of that when I finally did it, it, was, uh, it wasn't wonderful. Now, I haven't skydived yet. That's on my list. Uh, I'm certainly going to do it, though. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about that the other day. That's on my list, too. Now, would you tandem or would, do you want to do it on your own? No, I'm going to go the tandem first. <laughs> and certainly after the first time, I'm happy to uh, take the classes to do it on my own. But, you know, let it uh, let it be easy is another one of my big, uh, big lessons. And having never jumped out of a uh, out of a uh, plane, I'm going to be really happy with somebody tied to my uh, back responsible for pulling that chute. I agree. I'm with you. So I want to talk about habits too. Were there habits that you had to really enforce and get down every day to, do you have a certain routine? Do you, there's there certain things, no matter what the day goes by, you have to do anything that you are really particular about. And again, that you've changed to get to the success level you have. This is probably a kind of a wild different answer for you. A lot of people say they don't want to get big because they don't want to work hard. And that's kind of an oxymoron because if you 
if the bigger you get, if you empower your team, frankly, the less work you have to do. I haven't had a corporate office in my corporate, uh, an office in my corporate office since I've had this company. And again, now I have a couple of hundred and or 150, 160 employees, and I don't have an office in my corporate office. I delegate, and I and and uh, the the habit that I have to that I have to remember is a team that is going to buy into any direction has to, I believe, has to be part of that buy-in. If I come in and tell them what to do, which is more my nature, then they're not going to buy into it as much. So I've changed my personality to when I come into meetings, I'm all about saying, hey, we have this problem what do you think the solution is? And if I have a solution in my mind, I might try to lead them there. But in the end, the group comes up with the right answer. They've bought into it. And then I have a whole team of people pushing for that uh, for that objective. So just taking my ego down a notch is the main habit that I have to do. Yeah. No, I remember you told uh, Joe White, a, a person I've met through you, is the biggest, the best advice you ever gave him was to always work yourself out of a job. And I know that's really stuck with me, too. Yeah. Jay Rogers, one of my mentors, has had probably 30, 40 uh, different businesses. Uh, he teaches a, a thing called Business Owners Ed, which I teach in. And that was one of the top lessons that I got from Jay is your number one job as a CEO is to work yourself out of a job. delegate everything and uh, you will you will be wildly successful it's when you try to hold on to everything which is ego when you hold on to your ego you're gonna have to work yourself to the to the bone you know in my in my whole time at uh, smart check the 12 years before i was 30 years old i didn't travel for personal reasons i had very few friends i worked from 8 a.m to to 9 or 10 or 9 or 10 p.m every night i had no life now it's completely the opposite. I work from home. I travel all the time. I do things that give me passion. So even though it doesn't make me as much money, I'm out speaking worldwide, doing my firewalk seminars worldwide because it gives me passion. I love doing it and it creates change. Mm, I love it. I think it's it really is key. And I, th- I know the first time in my first business – it was because I didn't feel anybody could do the job as well as I could. Right. Horrible, horrible mentality. And when I finally let that go, that's when it that's, you know, when I went to a lot bigger numbers, because the only way you're going to get there is to let that go. So I, I agree 100 percent. So, Charles, thank you so much. Of course, we're going to see you March 24th. You've got a big launch date on March 24th. And so excited to be able to grab the book that day. If somebody wanted to connect with you, where's the best place they can find you? Uh, my website, charleshorton.com, and the uh, best email address is charles at firewalking.com. Happy to, uh, happy to help, happy to uh, mentor, and love seeing other people successful. Uh, awesome. You really do have a huge heart. And of course, in the notes page over at entrepreneursummitdallas.com, I'm going to link to that website. And I'm also going to link to pre-order your book because you can grab it now. Its official launch date is, is March 24th, but uh, it's for pre-order now, correct? That is correct, and certainly we'll have some there at, uh, at at your events. And what a great day! What a great timing! My launch date is the day of your uh, of your event. Exactly. So we're very excited to have you. All right, Charles. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron. You have a great.